The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. After the headlines today, this is a first on The Blunt Post with Vic. I have two great musicians Uh, both uh, very spiritual and uh, benevolent. And they have joined forces uh, recently to release a single called You Can't Hide the Light, which has been doing great on on, uh, various charts. Uh, And they are the incomparable Johnny Schaefer and Grammy Award-winning star Melissa Manchester. So that is after the headlines, so stay tuned. Here are some uh, news headlines. A full year after the 2020 uh, presidential election, new details are still emerging about former President Donald Trump's unprecedented effort to overturn the results. Many of Trump's actions were done in public view, including dozens of ill-fated lawsuits and tweets that undermined the electoral process. But congressional inquiries and news reports have shed new light on what happened behind the scenes as Trump tried to cling to power. Perhaps the most disturbing aspect of Trump's attempted coup was how he relentlessly tried to weaponize the Justice Department to nullify President Joe Biden's victory. The Democratic-run Senate Judiciary Committee investigated Trump's conduct and concluded in a recent report that he grossly abused the power of the presidency. President Joe Biden saluted a monumental step forward as a nation on Saturday after House Democrats finally reached agreement and sent a $1 trillion infrastructure package to his desk to be signed, a huge boost for an administration which has struggled for victories. The vote which came after two weeks of torturous negotiations among Democrats and is likely to remain the only major piece of legislature Biden passes with help from Republicans ahead of next year's midterm elections. A second larger bill that would expand the social safety net and provide historic investments in combating climate change remains undone. Yet after a string of setbacks and delays, including in the frenzied final hours before the bill passed, Biden emerged having accomplished what many had written off as impossible in a political era marred by dysfunction and mistrust. The bill represents the largest single infrastructural investment in American history. Infrastructure week. (laughs) I'm so happy to say that. Infrastructure week. (laughs) Folks, Yesterday, I don't think it's an exaggeration to suggest that we took a monumental step forward as a nation. We learned that our economy created 5.6 million jobs since we took office in January 20th, reached an unemployment rate of 4.6 percent, two full years earlier than the vast majority of economists projected that would happen. And we've just, we're just getting started. We did something uh, that's long overdue that long has been talked about in Washington, but never actually been done. The House of Representatives passed an Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act 
That's a fancy way of saying a bipartisan infrastructure bill, a once-in-a-generation investment that's going to create millions of jobs, modernize our infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our broadband, a whole range of things, to turn the climate crisis into an opportunity. And it puts us on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with China and other large countries and the rest of the world. It's going to create more jobs, good-paying jobs, union jobs that can't be outsourced, and they're going to transform our transportation system with the most significant investments in passenger rail, the most significant investment in 50 years, in roads and bridges, the most significant investment in 70 years, and more investment in public transit than we've ever, ever made, period. It's going to modernize our ports and our airports. I'm going to be going to some of our ports next week. And the freight rail, increasing that as a reason. I mean, look, we have a bottlenecks across the country. We're doing so much with this legislation. It's going to make it easier for companies to get goods to market more quickly and reduce supply chains, bottlenecks, and now, and now, and for decades to come. You know, and according to economists, this is going to be uh, ease inflationary pressure, not increase it, ease inflationary pressures by lowering costs for working families. It's going to create jobs replacing lead and lead water pipes. So every American, every child can drink clean water, improving their health and putting plumbers and pipefitters to work. How long have we been talking about that? It's a gigantic issue. Jobs making high-speed internet affordable and available everywhere in America. And you heard me say this before, but I apologize for repeating myself, but no parent should have to sit in the parking lot of a fast food restaurant so their child can do their homework because they have no internet connection except to go off of what's going on and with that internet connection from the fast food restaurant. This is going to make significant historic strides to take on the climate crisis. Some of you were with me when I was uh, recently in Scotland at the, at the COP26. What do people keep asking me? Are you going to fund this? Are you going to fund it? Are you really going to do what you're saying? Are you, we, well, this is go steps so get along a big step along the way of doing it. We're going to build out the first ever national network of charging stations all across the country, over 500,000 of them, so that you can make a real auto, and you know auto companies are made a commitment that we're going to make 50% of vehicles electric by 2030. So you'll be able to go across the whole darn country, from east coast to west coast. Just like you can stop at gas stations now. These charging stations will be available. We'll get America off the sidelines on manufacturing. Manufacturing of solar panels, wind turbines, battery storage, energy and power for electric vehicles, from school buses to automobiles. And it will reward companies for paying good wages and for getting materials for their products from right here in America. And America exporting and providing the rest of the world with these technologies that are generated here in the United States as we go green around the world. It also makes historic investments in environmental cleanup and remediation. It builds up our, resi our resilience against superstorms and droughts and wildfires, hurricanes. You know, you've heard me say it again. I apologize for repeating myself. But $99 billion in losses last year because of climate crises. Not in America. $99 billion it costs the taxpayers of America. It represents a blinking red code out there for our nation. Vice President Harris and I look forward to having a formal signing ceremony for this bipartisan infrastructure soon. 
because but everybody's not, I'm not doing it this weekend because I want people who work so hard to get this done, Democrats and Republicans, to be here when we sign it. But we're looking more forward to having shovels in the ground to begin rebuilding America. And for all of you at home who feel left behind and forgotten in an economy that's changing so rapidly, this bill is for you. The vast majority of the thousands of jobs that will be created don't require a college degree. There'll be jobs in every part of the country, red states, blue states, cities, small towns, rural communities, tribal communities. This is a blue collar blueprint to rebuild America, and it's long overdue. I'm also proud that the House took a big step toward uh, forward to pass my Build, Better, my Build Back Better Act, which uh, for the week of November 15th, they're going to be taken up. They went through the procedural mechanisms to assure that occurs. Let me be clear. We will pass this in the House and we'll pass it in the Senate. The Build Back Better Act will be a once in a generation investment in our people. Getting America back to work by reducing the cost of child care and elder care and getting millions of women back in the job who have to stay home because they cannot afford the child care or the health care for their parents. Providing universal pre-K for every three and four year old child in America and increasing their academic achievement potential significantly, significantly. Making health care more affordable, lowering prescription drug costs. The tax cuts for working people and the middle class so that folks have just a little as my, I know you're tired of hearing me say, my dad used to always say, and as a middle class guy, we just need a little breathing room, a little breathing room. It's going to reduce child poverty in this country, by the way, by 50%. We're already on track to do that with the child tax credit we passed in our last piece of legislation. And this bill is fiscally responsible. That's a fancy way of saying it's fully paid for. It doesn't raise the deficit by a single penny, and it actually reduces the deficit, according to the leading economists in this country, over the long term. And it's paid for by making sure that the wealthiest Americans, the biggest corporations, begin to pay their fair share. Again, you've heard me say it 100 times. Why should 40 or 55 corporations made over $40 billion in the last couple of years, why should they pay zero in tax? I said, I'm a capitalist. I'm not a socialist. But the bottom line is everybody should pay their fair share. Zero in taxes? Come on. And so, and keep my campaign commitment, it does not raise a single penny in tax for anyone making less than $400,000 a year. Say it again. Folks, no matter what they tell you, you're going to find out. This will not affect your taxes one little bit in having to pay a penny more if you make less than $400,000 a year. Independent experts have concluded that these bills are the highest value investments that we can make to grow the economy. It's going to create millions of jobs, increase productivity and wages and reduce costs and generate significant and historic economic growth. Again, the press is here. The poor people have to follow me all the time. They've heard me say this a lot. We got out of the blue a couple weeks ago a letter from 17 Nobel Prize winners in economics, and they determined that. It will ease inflationary pressures, not create them, ease them, ease those pressures. And for the economy, it recognizes that we, uh, we, we face an inflection point. For most of the 20th century, we led the world by a significant margin because we invested in our people. We invested in ourselves. You've heard me say it a thousand times. Jill would say, my wife says, any, any country out-educates is going to out-compete us. 
We invested in education. We invested in health. We invested in things that affect people's opportunities to succeed. We built an interstate highway system, which led to the best roads, bridges, airports, and transit systems in the world. These are the arteries of commerce that move goods from coast to coast quickly. That's why people decide to build facilities here in the United States. We empowered our companies to outcompete the world. And we created jobs and untold opportunities for our people to travel, to live, and to work. But somewhere along the way, we stopped investing in ourselves. We stopped investing in our people. And we risked losing our edge as a nation. I don't even think it was conscious, but this just was happened. And China and the rest of the world are moving to catch up, in some cases, in certain areas, move ahead. Our infrastructure used to be rated the best in the world. Today, today, according to the World Economic Forum, we rank 13th in the world. The United States of America ranks 13th in the world in infrastructure. Come on. We used to lead the world in education achievement. Now, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD, ranks America 35th out of 37 major companies when it comes to investing in early education for childhood education and care. Think about that. Those of your parents know. You start kids early. You give them the basis. You give them the, the, the material to be able to go on. It's simply unacceptable that we rank 35. We're now turning it around in a big way. Any single element of this plan would be a fundamental change in America. But taken together, they're truly consequential. Again, I have more to say this about this soon. COVID cases in the world's largest country by area have hit a record high with close to 274,000 new cases reported in Russia in the past week and only 34.7% of the population fully vaccinated. The rise means that the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention this week added Russia to its list of very high-risk travel destinations, the criteria for which is having had more than 500 cases per 100,000 residents in the past 28 days. There are now nearly 80 countries on the CDC's no-go level 4 list, including the UK, Greece, Switzerland, and Thailand. The European Court of Human Rights has found Azerbaijani authorities guilty of torturing two residents of Armenian border villages who died after crossing into Azerbaijan in 2014. In separate rulings announced on Thursday, the East CHR ordered Baku to pay families of Garen Petrosian and Mamikon Khojayan a total of 80,000 euros, which is $92,000 in damages. The ECHR ruled that in both cases, Azerbaijan violated articles of the European Convention on Human Rights that guarantee people's right to life and prohibit torture. It said that Petrosian Khajayan were subject to violence in Azerbaijani custody. In January 2020, the Strasbourg-based court handed down a similar verdict on an appeal lodged by the parents of Manvel Saribekian, a 20-year-old resident of another Armenian border village who was detained in Azerbaijan in September 2010. City of West Hollywood will provide the highest minimum wage in the U.S. after the city council voted to raise pay in the city to $17.64 an hour. 
The wage hike will start taking effect in January for some workers and will gradually increase every six months until July 2023, eventually surpassing California's minimum wage, which is set to reach $15 by 2022 for workplaces with more than 25 employees. California has the highest minimum wage of any state. Hotel workers will see a minimum wage of $17.64 starting on January 1st, and all other employees will begin, begin seeing a rise in July 2022. The new rate surpasses that of Emerville, which currently has the highest minimum wage in the country at $17.13 an hour. Let's get blunt. For today's Let's Get Blunt, I want to do something different. Uh, normally, I talk about some sort of dysfunction in politics or society and whatnot. Uh, but today, I actually want to talk about something positive, And that is uh, something that I covered in news, uh, which is the landmark uh, decision by the city of West Hollywood to raise the minimum wage, the hourly minimum wage, to 1764 by July 2023. It was a unanimous vote by uh, the city council of West Hollywood. And that's, you know, it's, a, it's such a great sort of a step ahead uh, for the, for, you know, working people, average, um, you know, working class, uh, middle class Americans who, you know, just can't uh, afford to live in not just Los Angeles and SoCal, but throughout the, the country. Uh, but this minimum wage is the highest in the nation, and uh, it's definitely needed. You know, in a city like L.A. where a one-bedroom apartment, I mean, you'd be, you'd be lucky if you find a one-bedroom apartment for, you know, $2,100, $2,200. So if you're a single person making minimum wage, um, you do the math. How does one pay... Uh, that kind of rent, utilities, uh, health insurance, car insurance, and you know, et cetera, and, and all the other stuff. You know, I traveled a few times uh, in, last, uh, in the last year to Europe, and, you know, out of habit, American habit of tipping between 15 to 20 percent, you know, I tip at, like, restaurants and, you know, wherever I go, and they are often surprised, and they ask me, and I tell them that, uh, in the U.S., we must tip because uh, service employees or service workers uh, can't make a, even a modest living by just their salary, their base salary. And they are dependent on tips, whether they work at a hotel, a restaurant, a bar, etc. And that shows you in Europe, you know, people make some a decent amount uh, to make a modest living without having to depend on tips. Uh, and I think it's sad that, uh, that you know, a, a waiter, waitress has to be on their feet for you know, nine hours a day or eight hours a day, and they have to rely on tips. And if they don't get good tips, you know, they just can't pay their bills. So this is like a really, this is an extraordinary thing by City of West Hollywood, who's actually been a trailblazer uh, and pioneer in so many different things, um, uh, starting with the with its origins of being an LGBTQ plus uh, inclusive city, 
Uh, when it was founded in 1984, um, there were many other firsts. The ban of a uh, sale of fur, one-time use plastic, uh, and many others um, that the city of West Hollywood did. In fact, in 2003, city of West Hollywood recognized the Armenian genocide uh, before many other cities did. In a city where the population, it's it barely has any Armenians living in West Hollywood, and yet they did that. Uh, actually, kudos to now L.A. County uh, Assessor Jeffrey Prang, who was mayor at the time, who initiated this. And so, so it's a legacy of West Hollywood to really be at the, at the forefront of uh, progress on many uh, fronts, whether it's uh, politics and uh, human rights and justice and fighting for the working class. You know, I congratulate the uh, council members for doing this and the city. Uh, it's really important. It's a city that has uh, you know, tremendous amount uh, of money and uh, there are a lot of hospitality workers because of all the hotels and restaurants and bars and such. And one of the, one of the objections that one hears from these, uh, these big hotel chains and corporations that own boutique hotels is, uh, you know, that they're going to have a hard time and uh, uh, this and that, meeting payroll and such, and they may have to lay off employees. And the reality is this. They're not going to have a hard time paying their employees. They're going to have a hard time because their executives on top uh, may have to settle with maybe a $2 million bonus rather than three. You know, So it's really about keeping their shareholders happy, their executives happy, and the C-suite executives getting what they're used to, you know, an exuberant amount of money when uh, the labor is doing uh, all the work and the hard work. So congratulations, West Hollywood. Uh, let's be blunt about it. Um, and uh, I wanted to salute and to highlight something very positive in my Let's Get Blunt uh, segment. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Johnny Schaefer is an electric Los Angeles-based singer and songwriter. After two successful albums and collaborating with industry heavyweights like producer Steven Oberhoff, Elizabeth Massey, Carol Robbins, and being a semi-finalist in six categories in the 2020 and 2021 UK Songwriting Contest, Johnny fulfilled a decades-long dream of doing a duet with Grammy Award-winning Melissa Manchester. Their new single is You Can't Hide the Light. Grammy Award-winning artist Melissa Manchester was a published poet at 15 years old, was taught songwriting by Paul Simon in NYU, and was performing to sold-out audiences at Carnegie Hall early in her career. Melissa's albums have served to establish her as one of the most compelling singer-songwriters in contemporary history. In 1980, she became the first artist in the history of the Academy Awards to have two nominated movie themes in a given year, Ice Castles and The Promise. In yet another career first, Melissa wrote the musical, I Sent a Letter to My Love, based on the acclaimed Bernice Rubin's novel of the same name. Melissa's accomplishments and awards are too many to mention. Today, she's on the Blunt Post with Vic, with her friend and collaborator, Johnny Schaefer. Good morning, Melissa and Johnny. Thank you very much for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Very well. How are you? I'm great. And 
Thank you, Johnny. Great, and thanks. Yeah. Good to have both of you to, uh, you know, to talk about your your collaboration, your music, what's, uh, what's happening in your world and uh, what's coming up. There are a lot of layers to the music that both of you make. It's uh, and all the work that you do, um, just not just in the industry, but for human rights and for spiritual needs and uh, inspire all of us. So let's uh, go right into that. Um, Great. Let me start with uh, with you, Melissa. Um, tell me about your sort of like your friendship with Johnny and when you met and how this all came about. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember when we met, but John has, <laughs> Johnny has been sending me, starting with cassette tapes of wow. songs he's been working on over the years, and I always tried to be encouraging, uh, I hope so, and yes. in the last couple of years, I noticed a real uh, dynamic shift of polish and refinement in his compositions, and when he sent me the uh, the track of You Can't Hide the Light, I said to him, I wrote to him uh, in an email, of course, you know, this is a complete world. You don't really need to make this a duet. Just put it out. <laughs> and he said, no, please do this with me. So, of course, I was, I was thrilled because I just thought it was so fantastic and so compelling. And, of course, I loved the message of it so much. So that's that's really where we are in this moment. Wow, I love that story. So the the song is called "You Can't Hide the Light." So mm -hmm. I'll go to you, Johnny. Uh, tell me about the song, uh, what it means, uh, the theme, and the the subject behind it. Sure. You know the the last two years, I think virtually everyone I know has gone through a lot of soul searching, a lot of reprioritizing, thinking about what really matters in life, and. Uh, my husband Paco and I were actually caregivers for my mom and my stepfather up in Olympia, Washington for most of 2020. Um, through a, an interesting series of events, I ended up not at my corporate job anymore. Um, and, you know, just the timing of all of it was perfect so that we were able to go up there and do that. And uh, it gave me a lot of time to just really uh, be with my mom, be with Paco, um, Paco really bonded with mom and you know she was uh, she had breast cancer and it was actually her fourth bout with cancer I'm sorry um, and uh, yes um, and she uh, you know Paco had to dress her wounds every day because her she didn't heal after the surgery and and so you really get a perspective on, on what matters and then you know with COVID it, it hit shortly after we got there and and uh, so many things just dropped you know so many things that everybody was just running around doing and focusing on that and they and they started to ask you know well does it really matter and right before my mom passed uh the election happened she died on november 29th last year and you know everybody was so hyper polarized you know there was all this vitriol on on from everybody about you know the other side and all this and people there was a lot of anger and on top of that um when my mom passed her landlord uh got wind that you know a gay couple was living in that house and she kicked us out she we even though we should have been able to stay there through the end of the month 
she ordered us out of the house and just said we could only be there during the day to clean up. And, you know, this was during the pandemic, so we had to find a safe place. And, and I was really angry at her. I was angry, uh, you know, about things and a, a lot of my fellow Americans, the way they were viewing the world. And um, my spiritual practice kind of really guides me to, to try to see the light in people and the light in situations. And so I really, I tried to step back and just see beyond that. Um, and the, the thought of, of barbed wire um, as, a, as an analogy for barriers and relationships of all kinds, not just romantic, but really relationships between people, between nations and everything, you know, that uh, I thought of it was an interesting analogy because it, it occurred to me that even though there's this really dangerous barrier between people, you can see the light through it. And so I just thought it would be a, an interesting way of incorporating that idea into the song. And then um, a lot of my songs come to me at 3 a.m. So just a few days after mom died, I was just laying there one night and and like all of this just started coming at me and I didn't want to wake Paco up. So I ran downstairs and I have a little tape you know, recorder on my phone and I sang it all into the phone. And a lot of the song came to me that night that it wow. has kind of a dual dual melody going on and it all kind of came at once. And so um, it's really the, the whole focus of it is to try to see. I, I think the whole world would be a different place if we all chose to see light in each other instead of darkness because you can see either in anybody how apropos for you know where we're at which is um you know still struggling with uh with this pandemic um, on top of a lot of other things i'm also kind of surprised of what you said i mean you you kind of said it very casually but of course it's a serious thing that in 2020 in the middle of a pandemic you guys were evicted because landlord found out that you were gay. I mean, you know, we can do a whole separate show on that. But of course, unfortunately, you know, neither of us is, I don't think Melissa neither is uh, shocked by that because it happens all the time here in the USA. I'm not even going to go worldwide because it's, you know, even worse in other nations. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with musicians Johnny Schaefer and Grammy Award-winning Melissa Manchester. So the outcome is this this song that both of you are really excited about, and I was going through uh, both of your Facebook pages, and Melissa's actually the last one I checked, and uh, so there's a lot of enthusiasm. You've already sort of um, broken some charts and, uh, you know, it's been very popular and well received. M- Melissa, like in terms of like, you know, of course, you know, you're for decades, you've put out uh, incredible music. Um, you've sort of been on top of the charts and all of that. Where does this stack up? And I don't mean to compare or anything like that, but I just want your perspective on on uh, this song and sort of where it fits into your career oh well uh, the theme of this song is central to my life um i i really believe well let me back up uh during the pandemic i had put out um the first of a series of what will be a series of choral pieces called awake and at this point because i've been 
at my career <laughs> for so many decades, I'm really starting to see the curvature of the earth. <laughs> uh-huh. I, you know, I really can see, I can see the, the exhaustive but unrecognized nature of racism. I see the exhausting but unrecognized component of sexism and um, uh, unfair practices because of the choices uh, that, well, it's not even choices. People are born gay, you know, whatever. Right. And um, and it's exhausting. It's part of, it's it's our fear creates exhaustion and we don't recognize that as a component. So the other side of that for me is to think about the light of people the light in people if they would own it and they would become accountable regardless of how they were raised just to be able to reframe how they see the world and so when i heard johnny's song one of the things that was so interesting um in terms of a composition um this is a very compact and densely packed world that he's created when you hear the quote-unquote background parts, the counterparts, usually in in conventional records, background parts are way back, and they're merely reflecting a phrase, a title, something that you want underscored. But in Johnny's, coming from his sensibility, he's created his own Greek chorus that's actually commenting on the two primary singers. I mean, it's wild. It's wild. I think he has 55 tracks of just vocals. And they're all at the same, basically the same volume. So you are the you as the listener, you're surrounded by not only these two lead vocalists having sharing thoughts. You you have this Greek chorus commenting on what's being sung. It's just the wildest thing. Wow, I like I like that that perspective. I would have never imagined that. Of course, I'm not familiar with uh with music composition so my show is called the blunt post so i'm going to be blunt and ask you this question melissa i hope i don't put you on the spot too much but you know you talk about spirituality and all of that when one looks at you they can think okay here is a a world-renowned famous musician um respected um, by millions and also in the industry um sold millions and millions of records uh, you know, beloved, uh, does she need spirituality? What is that for? Isn't spirituality for just those that are struggling? <laughs> I'm being facetious, but <laughs> I'd but like no, to hear the answer. A, that's such a, no, that's such a good question. That's so thoughtful. I mean, I, you know, we should just bring our pajamas and talk for <laughs> hours about it. But, but um, do I need spirituality? Well, you know, I, I am of the mindset like many that, um, I am a spiritual being having a human existence. Right. So from and and I did not know that in my youth. I really did not know that. I was raised by a, a wonderful mother and a wonderful atheist father, and uh, we had a very interesting journey. To, well, I had a very interesting journey towards that spiritual component. 
And it was because of Johnny and my dear friend, Susan Holder, who is now my manager, but she started off as my background singer. When I was in the early days, I was working in such awful places and such grueling hours. I was my own roadie. <laughs> you know, I was playing for drunks at bars. I was playing hard, you know, paying hard dues as, as young artists do. And at some point, Susan talked to me about, she would just make suggestions about how to approach something. And she handed me this little magazine called Science of Mind, which is a philosophy created in the 1920s by Ernest Holmes. And it's the amalgamation of all of the major um, religions of the world, philosophies, poets, and thoughts about a spiritual being of my understanding so that it was mutable, so I could I could keep reshaping it so and and know that these were not thoughts of my head. These were wiser thoughts that I could make room for. And they gave me strength. And they created a new reservoir of strength and faith and hope, at, particularly in, in rough times, which we all go through, where I could where I could know that I was not alone left to the devices of the of the craziness in my brain. So you know, it's a convoluted answer to your question, which is very thoughtful. You never don't need spiritual components in your life. Uh, for me, they have given me courage. They've allowed me to tap into my courage. They've allowed me to have faith in my journey. They've allowed me to reframe people who will not be walking their journey this time towards enlightenment they just want to <laughs> hold on to their ignorance and stay cozy there and that's fine um i've learned to create healthy boundaries and and keep a safe distance because of what i've learned from a spiritual point of view right actually it was a very um, very clear and uh a very helpful answer. In fact, when you were talking about the science of the mind and uh, that perspective or that sort of model of spirituality, it made me think of uh, 12 Steps, which talks about not God necessarily, but having a, a higher power of your own understanding, right. whatever that may be. He, That's she, right. it, them, you know. That's right, because it, it, it is a journey. I mean, I wasn't raised with any dogma. And so I'm so my journey has not been in rebellion to against anything. It it was really a journey towards towards that higher power of my understanding. And it turns out that however you want to frame that, it's always so much wiser than I am. It's always the source of my gifts. It's always the source of my superpower which is gratitude. No matter what, right? I like that. Johnny? My father was a my father was a Lutheran minister, and uh, but he was born in India. His my grandparents were missionaries there, and so he was exposed to Hinduism. Uh, one of my best friends is a Buddhist priest, and uh, I have really good friends that are Muslim. And I so just like my music, I'm very I guess eclectic, you mm -hmm. could say in my in my approach to spirituality. I've always felt like you could view like God as like the sun and all the planets are circling around the sun, looking at it from different places, but they're all looking at the same sun. Right. And, like and I feel like that with spirituality, there's a, uh, years ago when I think it was the Bosnian conflict, um, 
I actually orchestrated a, an interfaith service at, um, in one of the churches here in L.A., and we had, uh, you know, um, uh, someone from a mosque and uh, a rabbi and a priest and, and you know, pastors from, from um, other types of churches. And people got up one by one and did prayers. And if you didn't know who was praying, you really wouldn't know you know which religion they were praying from they it, it was everybody took a very um, you know generalistic approach and again there's like at, at the core i think so many times people run with religion and because they want to protect their religion all these other things get you know it's the cause of most of the wars and everything else people get all caught up in in defending their particular slant on things instead of just being open to that you know there are many paths and every different ways of looking at things and instead of just embracing that 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 uh, openness and, and diversity people freak out and get fearful right and and the way you fuel that fear is to practice otherism right yeah otherism mm-hmm. to make you yep. the other Mm-hmm. And once you are the other, it is just a very small skip towards dehumanized. Yep. That's the way it works historically. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with musicians Johnny Schaefer and Grammy Award winning Melissa Manchester. Let me ask you this, Johnny. So are you still on a high with the success of You Can't Hide the Light? <laughs> and I know and I know that, uh, you know, you and I have spoken before and I know how much you esteem uh, Melissa Mas- Manchester and what this means to you. Are you still on that high? And also, uh, what else is going on in your life? You know, you obviously had a very tumultuous um, 2020 with... Uh, you know, with your mom and uh, and others, pandemic, etc. So, what is happening right now in real time? Well, yeah, I'm definitely on a high, and uh, it's um, an example of dreams can come true at any age. You know, I, it's something <laughs> that I've always wanted to do. And uh, Melissa has been so gracious and so uh, uh, wonderful in in participating in this. I, she said, "I'd love to come to the party," and that and that's really how it feels. It's just been a big celebration. And um, for me, as a as a singer and a songwriter, it's opening doors to people talking to me on a in a more uh, I guess professional level, or they're they're taking me more seriously. I guess sure. uh, I'm writing a lot. I have I have a lot of songs in the pipeline, and I'm um, just trying to figure out what I what I would want to record next because I am really eclectic and. And it's interesting, we've been working with people at, at smoothjazz.com and they've been promoting it through the smooth jazz world because in the pop world, it's really hard, especially if you're older and if you don't have a lot of money and all that. So we've been using that angle and it's going really well. Um, some of the, their stations won't play it because it's, you know, it, it's outside, too far outside the box, but a lot of them are. And um so i think it's it's figuring out where i want to go next you know musically and all that but i'm writing a lot just trying to take it all in my husband keeps my feet on the ground (laughs) (laughs) go where the love is go where the love is when you say pop world is not playing it i say you know i think go where the love is um melissa i know you um 
you've been releasing songs uh, and such, but what else is going on or will be going on in the near future that you, you, know, you can talk about? Well, I've started performing a little bit. I mean, so much was postponed till next year, so I will be on the road quite a bit next year. But in this moment, um, I am rounding the bend of my latest project called Review, um, which is the re-recording of several of my charted hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to tweak them a bit harmonically. I wanted to, I mean, 2020 was the perfect time to start creating beautiful videos under the direction of Johnny's wonderful husband, Paco, uh, who created these videos for me. And um, so they should be, it should be, the entire album should be finished uh, by the spring. We have four more videos to do. And um, the videos have been very interesting for me because they've been this sort of, this travelogue, this visual travelogue of what we've all been living through during last year and and into this year so that's been interesting and then i just finished uh, a choral suite as i mentioned before the the finale of which was released called awake so i'll be going into the studio at some point and recording those two pieces to create a suite of three choral pieces and that's you know that's and then, then there are other things are in the sort of germination stage right that's a lot. The, going back to your chart top, you know, your chart toppers that you are reworking a little bit. Is that going to come um, as a recording album or album will, as in will, videos, all like a series yes, of it, videos? It, <laughs> well, as far as I know, there will be a CD. I don't know how you release an album of videos, but Johnny is so astute at these things. I'm sure he'll explain <laughs> it to me. <laughs> okay, just want to make sure for those that are listening um, what to look out for. But um, if you can, um, if you can tell us the URL of your website, the website is melissamanchester.com. Okay, on so, Facebook, yeah, and you can find all of my music, you know, on YouTube and iTunes and Amazon and all the platforms. All right, and latest news and tour, tour, yes. and where you're performing and all of oh, that. Oh yes, always yes. Mm-hmm. Fantastic, and uh, Johnny, maybe you can answer. Uh, you can't hide the light. Uh, where can people uh, buy it, download it, listen to it? On my website herejohnny.com, and I went with that instead of trying to get people to spell my last name because Schaefer is spelled many ways. So I just went yeah. with here, Johnny, and um, and there's a a landing page there that has all the links to the song on different streaming sites, you know, same thing, you know, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, and then it's on YouTube. Um, the Facebook, uh, Facebook video is also uploaded. We just finished a a lyric version of the video that, uh, I think we're going to put up on Melissa's channel um, to, to appeal to her subscribers because it has, uh, the song, because uh, people have been asking me, do you think you could do a lyric video? Because there's often two different lyrics going out on at the same time. And so by having the lyrics underneath, I think it, people will, will like that because it, you can really kind of, you know, get the full picture of what's happening lyrically. Exactly, yeah. Wow, and, that's fantastic. Melissa, well, both of you actually, you know, we've we've talked about You Can't Hide the Light and sort of how spiritual it is in the last couple of years have been very um, challenging for, you know, you know, pretty much everybody um, yes. to to sort of end our conversation. 
for those that are listening, Melissa, and it'd be great from the perspective of a sort of a famous celebrity, but then also from Johnny, who is, uh, you know, well, on his way to being one, but more of a working kind of a guy from both of you, if I can hear a message to listeners and how to cope as they uh, move forward. I think that one of the things uh, that I experienced, which was really unusual and unexpected, like many people, um, I was thrown into a premature retirement (laughs) because of the pandemic. So unlike the Great Depression, where entertainment was depression proof, this pandemic did not allow anybody in my field to to do anything but sit home and wait and so now as we begin to emerge and what i will say is the unexpected gift for me during this depression this this pandemic and the the ensuing side issues of it the unemployment and all that was that there were real gifts, unexpected gifts for me. And that was to not only look at society, but actually to see it, Mm -hmm. to see what was broken, to see what was unfinished, and to see what was beautiful and what we can work towards and Mm -hmm. reinvest and recommit to to a vision of of, uh, uh, justice and fairness and a true, true democracy. Uh, where the table just gets bigger and bigger so that everybody can have a seat at it and have their fair share. So that's that's the banner that I'm marching on into the future. And I, I think we are in a remarkable moment where people have to make choices as to what kind of democracy they want to be a part of and what yeah. side of history they want to be a part of. And that's my story, and I'm sticking yeah. to it. Thank you. Well said. That was beautiful. I appreciate it. How about you, Johnny? What uh, what message do you have for people who are still struggling, you know, in the midst of this this ongoing pandemic? uh, My last, the the song I released right before this one is called While You're Right in Front of Me. And uh, the the main thing of that is, you know, um, taking each other for granted and not in not being in the moment and saying I love you to the people that we love. Uh, I think that what's become crystal clear to me is how how brief life is and how uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time doing things that don't matter. I really want to focus on on love and on, for me, music and for uh, trying to uh, encourage people around me to see life differently. And so I think... Um, just reminding people to come from a place of love and whatever it is they're doing, you know, we all have our calling and we all have different ways that we're contributing to the world. And so when we're doing it, if we infuse it with love and with light, it could really turn things around. Amen. Amen to that. Thank you. Thank you, Johnny. Uh, well, thank you to both of you, Melissa Manchester and Johnny Schaefer. Congrats on You Can't Hide the Light and good luck on all the uh, upcoming ventures and uh, performances and uh, great songs that are uh, going to come. Uh, appreciate your time and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. Great. Thanks so much. Thank you, Vic. Thanks, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, Vic. Bye-bye. That was my interview with uh, musicians Johnny Schaefer and uh, Grammy Award-winning Melissa Manchester. 
they happen to be friends. Johnny has been a, a fan of Melissa for many, many years. And now they're collaborated on a song which has uh, done really well, uh, You Can't Hide the Light. Um, Johnny and Melissa, thank you very much for your time and for being on the show. And uh, good luck with, uh, with upcoming uh, music endeavors and such, although you don't need it. Since we've been talking about uh, Johnny and Melissa's song, I think it's apropos that we listen to it. So here is You Can't Hide the Light. Light from your face 
Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible. And KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. Tune in next Monday at 6 a.m. for another episode. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jarami, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. Blunt Post with Vic.